Enroll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hadquist and Luke Poling. Hello, kitties. We're going to have a real good time together doing the things we want to. That's what I was listening to this weekend. Lou Reed's New Sensations. Nice. Which I don't know if you've put that one on in a while. but I haven't put that on in a while. Believe it Believe not, my red joystick doesn't really hold up. Really? So, yeah, it doesn't. Total shock. I know. It's not, yeah, and it's not even as good as original rapper, the one where he raps in it. Mm-hmm. But wow. what are you going to get? Alas. Lou Reed leads and we all follow, I feel like. I think that is and, absolutely true. And today on the show, we have another leader, you could say, another, should we say, captain? Leader of the pack. Something like that, yeah. Um, Mark Farner from Grand Funk Railroad. Yes. Now, since he is a fellow Michigander like yourself, mm-hmm. what is the feeling about Grand Funk? In Michigan or across the In Michigan, world? yeah, in Michigan. Well, we love Grand Funk. We obviously take full credit for everything they've done because they're a Michigan band. And that's what we do in Michigan is we claim all the talents to be because of where they're from. Um, Mm. We absolutely adore their version of some kind of wonderful. We quote all the lyrics to American band. Um, The most inappropriate ones, obviously are our preferred ones. And well, Sweet Sweet Connie, of course. Yeah, sure. The Chiquitas. Yes. Um, and we love that Mark and lots of fellow Detroit icons continue to rock out together on a regular basis. So we have this wonderful world of amazing people coming together to keep bringing fabulous music to the world, like Alice Cooper and Mark and just work together. Right. Right. And it's weird. I do not know did not know much about grand funk before we talked i certainly knew of their sort of status mm-hmm. um but when you start going through their catalog I, they've got a lot of really good songs and when you look at the window in which recorded all these songs the fact that they sold out shea stadium i think it uh only go- is only fitting that in my kind of googling I found a article from the 1971 Rolling Stone by Tim Ferriss. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit snarky with headlined Grand Funk Railroad. Is this band terrible? Question mark. Yes. And it's, it's like kind of a review of the, of the Shea show, the Shea Stadium show. And basically kind of ends with like, whatever they are doing, the people there are loving it. And it's this sort of like great, symbiotic relationship between the, the the band and its fans so yeah i think it's sort of who who am i to judge true and mark shares some pretty great tales of that era and beyond which we will not spoil for our listeners mm-hmm. but even if you think you don't like grand funk i think he's got some interesting stories and i think they're a lot bigger than you th- remember them as being Unless you're, and really I think his cool legacy and his in the know, like right. one of us is, like you, right, right. But for uh, I guess for most people, that's insulting. <laughs> for the and, for uh, all of the above, I right, yeah, no, I um, 
no, but I, I think their legacy is is overlooked and um, perhaps they are revered as they should be. But he was a very nice guy. He's got a sense of humor. Yes. Well, I think they're overlooked is... from maybe from an audience standpoint, but the number of times mm. beyond the Detroit Rockers, but beyond that, that Mark has performed and is continually asked to perform with all kinds of legends um, is pretty huge. I mean, mm-hmm. one of our future guests who is one of the biggest icons of all time worked with him recently and works with Robert him on a regular Plant. basis. No, maybe not Robert. Plant. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. I just, I was going to try to put it out there in the universe, like the secret and just hope at some it point you get an email from Robert Plant being like, can I please come on your show? It could happen. It right? could happen. Yeah. Robert Plant make I feel like I don't know would Robert Plant be more likely to come on our show or work with Mark yes I think their experience with the funk can I call Mm -hmm. them that yes would they call them for short railroad the funk I, I think Led Zeppelin's experience with the funk might indicate that it's more likely that Robert Plant would come on the show this is kind of what I think too but our listeners can be the judge because that story is very well told in the interview. Exactly. So one thing to go back to last week that we discussed, uh, and I wanted to sort of not correct the re- record, uh, but perhaps augment the record. Okay. We are talking about the day the music died last week. Yes. The plane crash that, that killed Buddy Holly, the big bopper. Richie Valens and the other crew members on the flight, lest we forget. But apparently, uh, we told I told the story of Waylon Jennings saying, "I hope your plane crashes," and yes. this being something that. Um, so apparently, <clears throat> as they were flipping a coin, it was him and Buddy Holly, and they were both sort of egging each other on. And Buddy Holly said, "Man, I hope you don't freeze to death in that bus." And to which he retorted, "I hope your plane crashes." Still nothing you would want to say to another person, but it was not as, there was clearly no malintent in there. Well, and we did. Just one of those things that you. Yeah. Well, I think, and that makes sense. one of those things you wish you could take back. Yes. And I think we did sort of say that last time, except that it was just a, and we just agreed that it was in very, was really something you just don't say, whether you intended to be just joking around or not it's just the, the tempting of fate obviously which which yes came to be so way to bring it exactly. down again so but i thought it was important to, to correct the record we had a great chat with mark he has a new live album out and i feel like most kind of hard rock bands from the 60s and 70s he is huge in south america yes and so he's got a new live album from Chile that uh, is coming out this week, I believe. And yeah, it they came out, are... when this airs, it will have come out yesterday, I believe. So if you are in need of help in partying down, we know a band. We do indeed. Why a live album now? Apart from the fact that no one can see any live music anymore and everyone's hungry for something. Live performances have something. They got some magic to them 
because of the interaction of the audience and the artist. And uh, being that we had already played in South America and knew the reaction of the South American people to our music, uh, when the opportunity came up uh, just before we set out on this South American tour, the opportunity came to have it video recorded an eight camera shoot in Santiago at Teatro Calpalican, which is a great theater. It's a great venue in Santiago and the people there love it. Uh, so, hey, we put the numbers together and said, let's do it. It's just that easy. Just that easy. <laughs> you know, yeah, if somebody's, you're expecting to pay uh, 20 grand for a car and somebody says, I'll give it to you for five what would you i mean yeah i go for the car. yeah for sure <laughs> that's an easy decision <laughs> and then the onus is all on you to entertain them for a couple hours yeah and uh, doing what i love to do <laughs> was that a learning process because early on it seems grand funk and you just sort of got thrown out there pretty quickly after forming to huge crowds going all right Show them what you're made of. Go. Yeah, that's about what it was in a lot of a lot of cases, Luke. That's, that's mm -hmm. how it felt. But we love playing music, and my songs. Uh, you know, the the South American people know me through my songs, and I am who my songs say I am to them, and many of them studied English to learn what my songs were saying to them. And that is such a, wow, it's unbelievable as a performer that somebody would think that much of your piece that they had to understand it. They had to get the definition themselves of it. So, uh, yeah, this is a big part of why music, why live music uh, has to be and why this DVD uh, is slotted for right now, Luke. Mm -hmm. Weirdly perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Nobody's out yet. A lot of speculation. People talking about, well, what are what are we going to do? I mean, when is it going to open, and what are the qualifications? What are we going to have to jump through in order to get on stage again? You know. I guess what's that like? I mean, I know you've talked about it before in interviews, um, but you guys form of another band sort of it's the the remnants of you end up shortly thereafter going down to atlanta and here's the masses like we were saying go entertain them how did you learn how long did it take you to learn what an audience wants out of a good show apart from great songs well that first performance at atlanta georgia taught us so much uh, as far as theatrics, uh, stage performance, which uh, has been a trademark of mine in Grand Funk for all the years since 69. It's, and, and Terry Knight helped me with it by encouraging me to play to the person in the furthest role in the auditorium. You play to them and exaggerate the move that you think is cool so that that person can see it. And uh, that's been the, the, the MO. That's what I've been after every time I get on that stage. Mm -hmm. 
and like I was saying, there's the performance part to keep that many thousands of people entertained and hanging on your every word. But it's all kind of for naught if the words aren't any good. And right. <laughs> especially with the early years, I mean, you guys were doing two records a year. You were two, like, and so much of the body, your body of work was written by you. How did you, was that just sort of a, I have to write these songs because we got another record to record, we're doing the studio? Or, I mean, were you just constantly making notes on what you were seeing touring? Because I feel very much you're sort of a, you know, the Flint story is part of Grand Funk's story, which is part yes. of yours. And the idea of the sort of this working class band, I mean, just even the idea that you're an American band, like, we're just <laughs> going to come out, we're yeah. going to we're going to do what we do best and we're not going to complicate things. Uh, how in writing those songs, are you taking notes all the time? Or are you just sort of a, a frantic couple weeks of, all right, we need eight songs go. That was more in line with it, uh, Luke, the, the frantic, because <clears throat> I mean, initially when I first started writing songs, I would have uh, guitar jams or keyboard jams, jams and um, you know don would say do you have words for that well not yet well uh, i've got a chorus i got a chorus or you know tell them i got part of it but well we'll go down to mcdonald's and we'll get some lunch and the time we get back maybe you'll have it and and i swear to you that is how many 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 songs written the first album <laughs> yeah and you know going out on the road, being out on the road and having the fresh experience and then going into the studios and they, they say, okay, we got to have more songs. Well, I've got them. My imagination was hanging on every trip and all the things, the new eye candy, you know, that my eyes, my 20 year old eyes were taking in. Uh, it played into the songs that I wrote. And you guys, the other thing too, I feel like you guys made your living out on the road, that that was your thing. We are going to be a road band and we're going to tour. Does that ever get tiresome? Do you ever get tired of telling people you're their captain? <laughs> no, I, uh, I enjoy it. And the, the audiences, they vary from, from place to place, from country to country but they all have the same intention. When they come to that gig, they want a nostalgic adventure. They want to be back where they were when they heard that song. They want you to stir that emotion within them so that we have this happening. And, and at one of my shows, that's what we have. That's our goal. We pray before we go on the stage and we're giving it to love, love take over and take our instruments and prophesy of this stuff, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. So, and it was because it's positive thinking and we put it out there positively. All of us guys in the band um, were very simple minded. We don't need a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, things to prove to people that we're rock stars. We just, need the opportunity to get on that stage in front of them, and then we'll show them. <laughs> so I have to give a, a shout out to your band and it'll drive Luke crazy because I am from Detroit. Here we go. So <laughs> I am a, still am still here. And 
I love that your band is all Michiganders and a Windsorite, which we count as a, a South Detroiter. Right. And I just, I love it. I was so excited to see all of them. And awesome. so that you and all of your love, you still give back to our state, everything you're doing for everybody in Midland. It's because so many times people leave and, you know, go do their thing and find other things, but you always come back here. And I love that. Yeah. Well, it's the best place. It's got the best people. It does. See, I'm, I'm, I keep trying to convince Luke. I'm a little bit prejudiced there because I live here, but I know. Me too. I mean, we might be two of the three of us may be a little biased, but Luke loves Michigan too. He's been here. I so do, yeah. <laughs> we're sucking him in. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I think is also incredible about is what you just mentioned, that message of love, which everything I've seen of you in recent years and everything I've read of you in preparing for the interview that is that emanates from you that love that message of love that reminding everyone that love is what it's all about is something that i think a lot of musicians can write about or can create beautiful art about but it doesn't really they don't really exude it and with you i think you exude it and how how did that come to be have you always been that way or is that something you discovered along the way well, thank you, Heidi. I appreciate that. And it is uh, an attempt on my part every time before we go on stage, you know, I I need the strength in my, in my understanding to go and put this out without um, make, making it like a, oh God, here we go again. Here's the, are you ready song again? Oh, here's the next one. I want it to be fresh. And so in my mind, I psych for an hour before we hit that stage. I'm in the dressing room. I'm playing the songs. I have my eyes closed. I'm singing. I'm getting ready. And I'm psyching myself to be that guy because there's so many distractions. Even somebody going, hi, Mr. Fred. I mean, on your way to the stage, that can be what? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, that comes out because that is the heart's intention. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. So true. But you also kind of lay waste to the stage. I mean, there's the story of Zeppelin saying, eh, we can't, we don't want to follow this. <laughs> yeah. After the second gig there at Olympia, you know, the first gig was in Cleveland at the Cleveland Auditorium with Led Zeppelin. And something very similar happened there as it did at Olympia in Detroit. And that's, the audience got to a pitch. They got to a pitch. And uh, those guys didn't wanna try to come on stage and match that pitch. So their manager came out at Olympia and told Terry Knight that he needed to pull the plug on us. We're playing along. We're fixing to go into inside looking out. And I go, I'm looking around because where the hell does everything go? I'm looking back. The only thing I can hear is Brewer back there pounding on the drums. The PA died, all the amps died. And I go, what, what? And then Terry Knight comes walking out and he grabs a microphone and he says, due to contractual agreement grand funk has to leave the stage now and the all these 
doing boo-boo and up wine bottles and beer <laughs> whiskey bottles comes crashing in on the stage. And we go, oh man, get get the hell out of here. Uh they didn't they didn't like us uh, opening for them. So uh we made two gigs. Anyway, we're famous for two gigs we played with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well it's I mean I mean Grand Funk is uh, iconic beyond iconic on its own but that's one of those times i kind of feel like you're you'd be ticked but then it's kind of fantastic to know that led zeppelin's intimidated by you like that's had to have been sort of a double emotion i would feel <laughs> matter of fact it took a hour and a half for them to take the stage after this commotion went down i mean they just hung and hung and hung and hung well, during all that time, half of the audience got up and left. It was a perfect opportunity for Mel Shocker and yours truly to go out and set in the audience about halfway back and enjoy the show. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> what more could you want? <laughs> and then the one thing people always talk about with Grand Funk, too, is the fact that you guys sold out Shea Stadium. And, I you know, that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, time. Beat the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> does that put any pressure on you when you guys are sitting backstage, or is it just all love? Where you're like, they're here for us. This is going to be a great. We're going to have fun. That's what it is, and and even the swells of the audience, you know, that that kind of gets you going before you even hit the bottom of the the ramp up. But uh, it is so much excitement um you know before you go out there that at the last minute you're thinking oh my god if i gotta pee uh (laughs) and i take that last drink am i gonna make it through till i get to the opportunity oh so many things are getting you know in our mind crossing our mind before we uh take the stage but it has to be uh natural for us it has to be you know even if i trip dude i have to trip all the way (laughs) ass yes (laughs) full dick van dyke (laughs) yes i love it and you guys you know obviously grand funk is so iconic for you to go out now you have a bit of a you got to live up to that can you talk a little bit about the the folks in your band now and you know the the shoes they have to try to fill and clearly can fill quite well thank you very much yeah well on drums uh i have a guy that played with james brown the barques and the eric gale band his name is hubert crawford and we call him the (laughs) h-bomb he is very explosive drummer and he sings he's uh he's full of love he's a christian man and uh our keyboard player uh has been uh you know with alto reed for many years there in detroit with bob seeger's band and uh we did a few gigs together and i sat in with alto god rest his soul but i I met uh, bernie palo and bernie has been with us for a few years now and uh, sure does uh, sport Detroit real good. And on bass, we have Paul, uh, you, uh, Paul, God bless him. I can't, 
Uh, Paul Randolph. Jesus. <laughs> I met Paul doing the Alice Cooper sessions in Detroit at the Rust Belt Studios. Ah, yes. Yeah, and Paul impressed me with his bass playing, but when we got out in the studio to do the background vocals, and Bob Ezrin, uh, the producer, was, you know, he was cueing us and telling us what parts that, well, let's see, your voice sounds good for this part, your voice sounds, and then I'm standing next to Paul Randolph, and he's like, you know, 6'3 or 4, something like that, and I'm down here at 5'7", and I look up there and I go, how does that really high voice come out of that really <laughs> big man? I don't know how that, and it sounds beautiful. So, uh, it, you know, make a long story short, we were making adjustments within our band, within our organization, the team, Mark Farner, to try to, to tighten it up and try to cut some of the fat. And uh, it so happens that uh, we wanted to be bring everybody out of Detroit. It's a lot cheaper. And it's we get the funk factor. You know, we're right. all kind of related. Uh, so that was the consideration we made. And boy, it's great because Paul does the acoustic gigs with Dusty Denuncio out of Windsor, Ontario. And he also does the electric gigs with me with the full band. And uh, we go out and kick ass, take names in the name of Michigan. Love it. <laughs> Very happy. <laughs> As well you should. <laughs> you know, obviously you, you go all over the world and people are learning the language to understand what you're what you're singing and what you're saying. Do you get recognized every day on the street in Michigan? No. Or are you able to fly under the radar a little bit? I can just fly incognito and nobody knows. I got a little wave with me. I don't even have to put on a mustache or anything. I could just tuck the hair under the hat and change the hat to one of these floppy ear deals. Nobody knows who I am. See, that's what I've always thought the best way to be famous is, is to be able to travel the world and have everyone just worship you, but then to be able to come home and just be you yeah. in your hometown. I love yeah. it. If you take your shirt off, do more people recognize you? <laughs> You're a funny guy, Luke. <laughs> I, I try. Thank you. You mentioned when you were going over the guys in the band, the, the faith of some of them. And I know faith has been a huge part in your life and it seems like it's a, a big part of who you are oh and it is but it's not it's not the religion it's the jesus because mm -hmm. jesus is love and god is love and god was made flesh and and dwelt among us here on earth but but the people don't get it that that love is debt free you cannot uh put it in debt there's it doesn't fit you can't uh, put it in the keyhole it won't go love is free and that part is what i always want to put it in a song as best i can whenever i get the revelation during a writing session i try to get it you know where people can understand this that we are the governors of what debt we will accept or won't accept it. We, sh we shouldn't be accepting that on my uh, little platform that I live on. I had that revelation years ago 
And I kept telling my wife, I said, Lisa, it's, it's debt consciousness. This is what's screwing the world up. Uh, the word says, oh, no man, anything except to love him. Oh, oh, no man, anything. I said, that was, that would be the mind of Christ. Cause Christ didn't know anybody, anything. And that's where we got to be to keep sanity here, to keep love forefront of our heart and to keep that our ambition that others might have the same hope. They could see it in you and get it themselves, get it for themselves, because we all do have the same capabilities. If mm -hmm. we are trained and if we are, if, if it's explained to us what, what's going on, what I, I can share with you, my words and you can go, Oh my, I could do, I could use it like this. I can, you know, put it to work. It's love. That's what love does. We do that with love. Yeah. We share it and people put it to work for them. Do you stay in touch with your former brothers in arms with, uh, with Don and Mel? Do you guys stay in touch at all or do they kind of do their thing and you do yours? And well, the last time, I, last time I saw them, they were suing me, uh, trying to, uh, get me to stop using Mark Farner's American band. And so the last time I saw those guys was in a federal courtroom down in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I won. I got to keep my trademark that I had already, you know, went through, paid the attorneys and, and did all, jumped through all the hoops. And then uh, it's been a bad kind of a taste there, Heidi, in between the old band and myself. But I am willing for the sake of the fans to put all differences aside and get this band back in front of the audience that needs to see us before we all, one of us at a time is going to croak, you know, or we might mm -hmm. all go together, who the hell knows. But I think that because I'm a fan, I'm a music fan, I wanted to see the Beatles in the worst way when they were all alive, but they just weren't together. I'm thinking, you guys. Man, how selfish can you be? Why can't you do it for us, for the fans? I really wanted to see him. I, I really, really wanted to see him. So using that as the catalyst within myself to bury the hatchet and, and lay everything down. I've been trying for 20 years to get these guys to do it, to go back out and give the fans the real band. that uh, Give them something that neither one of us can do separately. But it would be a pleasure to get back in front of the fans with the real band and let them hear and let them make up their mind. information on Mark Farner's American Band to find out when they will be coming to your town if you're in assistance of partying down, check out his website markfarner.com and that's also where you can pick up his new live DVD from Chile with love. You can follow us on all the various socials. You can check out our website at rockandrollgradschool.com for more grad school content. And please leave us a review on iTunes. We're tired of asking our family members to do so. 
Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sobey and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mastonen. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together. Welcome to King.